since I know you and uh, since you've you've been speaking about Sadio Ramos so much, run us through what is it that you admire about him so much? Why do you like him so much? Why is he on your screensaver? And why can't you just not stop talking about him? Actually, uh, man, well, you guys were not like everyone. I think knows that he's not the most loved football player in Spain. He's been criticized so much, and he's done many things wrong. Everyone has done, and like at the end of the day, we are all humans. Uh, but I don't know. He's just been like right now after Iker Casillas. He's handled so well the captaincy. Uh, it's not easy to be a captain winning three continuous Champions League mm-hmm. and one year we won La Liga also. So like mentally and physically, I think it's not easy for every football player to go through that because at the end of the day, captaincy is an extra thing you have on your mind yeah. and everything revolves around it. So one of the things I admire I really admire about him is his way he's taken Real Madrid to success like also he's not been alone in this he's like also we have had a um, really nice manager really nice team for at the end of the day Florentino is known to be a businessman yeah and he did, he's done things also really well and yeah I think it's everything goes everything goes hand in hand and plus he's just like all those header goals he scores is just like amazing. Uh, <laughs> you cannot stop watching them. When did you when did you happen to become such a big Sergio Ramos fan? Do you remember? And what was what was it like for the first time? Like you thought, okay, wow, this this is some footballer and this is somebody that I can really admire. Not not as a Yeah, like actually Still, my friends laugh at me, and they're like, "Why, why Ramos, and why not Cristiano? Like Cristiano has done so much for Real Madrid. He's scored so many goals. He's also won so many titles. And like, no, Ramos has something special. And yeah, I still remember when he used to have long hair, blonde, and when he used to be super young. But um, yeah, I think just the year before La Decima, it oh. was where. Also, I had I started enjoying football. I started learning about and showing interest in the sport. Is when I said, "Yeah, Sergio Ramos. I like this uh, player and his captaincy is like one thing I'm like always amazes me." And right now, you can see he's not there, and maybe it's coincidence, but. Right now, he's not there in the team and they don't do as well. And then he comes back and it's again, everyone is winning. And it's just his charisma and that vibe he has. That yeah. I think it's, it's just going to be such a massive hole to fill, right? Or is he going to renew his contract? I don't know. I just hope so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, and soon also he's already 34 and all these football players players we've grown up watching are gonna retire soon which is really really sad yeah like new ones will come always but i think all that pack like of football players we 
this was our generation yeah our generation yeah our generation and like everyone's gonna retire like one after the other and we have to find some new Sergio Ramos (laughs) yeah I just I just have a couple of things to say about him not everybody not not everybody's going to admit this but no matter how much everybody hates him dislikes him for his antics for whatever he does on and off on the pitch more everybody would want him in his team and I'm pretty sure nobody yeah. would want to admit that. I would want a Ramos in my in my in my football club. So yeah. And another thing, like a lot of people would not know or would not have seen, because most of the time when we watch on TV, the aftermatch reaction is not shown. And uh, I had the privilege of watching Real Sociedad coming to uh, Madrid for the Copa del Rey last year or 13 months ago when. It was a crazy scoreline, 5-3 or 3-4, if I am not mistaken. Yeah, when, when, yeah when Odegaard just ran the show and uh, yeah, they were knocked out of, of the of the Copa del Rey. And after the game... We were, I, we were there all together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we got the tickets for that game. And then after the game, I, I saw all Real Madrid, all the, all the kids like Vinicius, Rodrigo was there. All of them, they just went down the tunnel, like as though the the world had come to an end. And then I was like, okay, what's going to happen here? Modric was there, Ramos con- congratulating all the all the Sociedad fans and saying, yeah, well done. And that's how that's how leaders are, you know, like they they take they take a defeat gracefully. And it's something that all these young footballers need to learn. Of course, they will learn the trades of the game, but. Uh, yeah, it was just very, very cool to see because even I had a certain image of Ramos. And then when you see him on the pitch, when you see him conducting himself after the game, especially after that defeat in a knockout game, it's it's something that you could admire him for. Adding a thing to my favorite memory, I think 2018, yeah, 2018, I got my first signed autographed jersey from him. Wow. Uh, how was it? Was it the first time you also got to meet him in person? No, actually, I've not met him in person. Oh, okay. Yet. <laughs> yes. I've met, Mar- I've met Marcelo, but I've not met Ramos in person. Actually, a good friend of mine got uh, the autograph for me. Whoa. <laughs> Something special for me. So, yeah. yeah, still have that jersey with me. One day I'll frame it. All right. And then since we are getting a little bit emotional about this, let's just bring a little bit of uh, the family equation into it and tell us about how how is it back at home for you? Like not in terms of home Spain, but like at your home, back home uh, with the family dynamics. And uh, are there more football supporters at home? Do you support the same team? Your sister's? Uh, your mother, your father? Uh, mom, I'll start with Daisy. Mom doesn't watch football. So <laughs> mom is out of the equation. Uh, we are three sisters. Uh, the middle one, she's more a Cristiano fan, more than a specific team fan. Mm-hmm. Um, the youngest, she follows my steps. So I get you, like, as I used to watch every Real Madrid game back home, so like she also she knows every Real Madrid player. She knows Ramos. She also has Ramos's pictures at home. And now also I talk to her about work, and she she actually listens really carefully. She she has lots of interest in it. Mm-hmm. Dad watch used to watch football. He used to support 
for Barca, but not like a great fan. He was more a cricket fan. He's been always more a cricket fan. That where that's where I got my cricket uh, interest from. Yeah. And then my cousin brother used to live with me, like when we were smaller, and he's a diehard Manchester United fan. Oh dear. So I remember the year. And around 2008 or 2009, where United lost the Champions League to Barca. Yeah, 2009. But then. that day, yeah, 2009, um, no one could speak to him. Like he just locked himself into a room and he's like, nah, United cannot lose. And yeah, he was also who, the one who influenced me to watch so much football, Premier League, cricket, like all types of sports. And yeah, whenever we meet right now, we all like I've like he has his United jersey. I have my Real Madrid jersey. We always take pictures together, like Real United. Whenever they play like eat against each other, we also watch it together. And it's like always at home, it's Real versus United. Since United has their own challenges, I wanted to come to the challenges that, that your club is facing at the moment. What do you think? Firstly, with uh, because we 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 are we are sports students, and then we know a little bit about the the financial situation of all these uh, three clubs, which we got to study last year. But also, already it was looking bleak at that point, and then the virus came, and now it looks more more deeper. Yeah, so how how do you think what what are, firstly what are the current financial challenges that they are facing and what do you think is Perez for Florentino Perez's idea to come out of this this huge ditch that the virus has dug us all in one of the major losses i think not only real madrid but any football club or any team has faced is match day experience and ticketing like uh, matches behind closed door means no ticketing. In for example, taking Santiago Bernabeu as an example, it used to be eighty thousand tickets sold every match. Yeah, and ticketing is one of the one was one of the main revenues for Real Madrid, and I think for most of the clubs here in Spain and around the world, ticketing is one of the main revenues. So the virus has affected this like badly. Because um, they're losing lots of money from ticketing. Also, merchandising has been affected a lot because there's no tourists. And tourists are the one who actually um, buy merchandise, Real Madrid stuff or any football teams. Like, you know, like people come as a souvenir, they take a Real Madrid shirt back or a scarf back, anything, anything. And also match day leads to merchandise, like mm, merchandise being sold in stadiums so i think it's all a package like no match day experience as a whole has affected them really really negatively and i think um regarding to your other question they're waiting for the new stadium and recover as much money Possible because it's a very very nice project. They're uh, actually investing a lot of money and time into it. So I think that's the major pl- long term plan to get all this money back. 
So how much of the stadium has now already been re- renovated or reconstructed? While we were still there, they were still like last year, they were still before the virus hit, they were still working on one of the roofs or one of those pillars. Yeah. So how like much- it's come really far. I think now, like before they used to say 2023 is going to be ready, but now they're saying that hopefully by the end of next year, end of 2022, it's going to be open to public, also if COVID permitted, never know. But yeah, that means like they've actually taken advantage of the situation yeah. and they've taken advantage of the lockdown and the pandemic and uh, invested hours and hours and they've um, come really far. Like still stuff to do, still maybe a year, year, two years, year and a half of work left. But in one year, like they've covered plenty. I thought uh, last year when, when of course the pandemic hit and then, then Real Madrid decided to play most, not most, but all of the games in the, in the reserve stadium, the, the training stadium. I thought it was a genius move. Yeah. What was the idea behind it? Yeah. Apart, apart from the fact that was it only used because the construction, the renovation was not affected or was there another thinking behind moving the games from the Banibu. I think they did actually, it was a very nice move to shift everything to Valdebebas because they used to train there. So now they, they've left what, the new stadium aside. Like They're not being affected and they're not in danger. Anything is going to happen to them with the stadium being built. And then I think, because if they play matches there, the, um, the new stadium have to themselves. Like this day we can work, this day not, this day the team is training here, this day the team is playing here. So I think like they've left that whole new project aside and it's been constructed. Meanwhile, the whole first team has shifted to Aldebebas where they where they actually train and now they train and train and play there. And now they play in Alfredo Di Stefano, which is where the second team of Real Madrid used to play to last year, Raul's team. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think, and plus behind closed doors, so there's no public or problem, like a seating problem or capacity problem. So, so, yeah, actually, I think it's a pretty nice and smart move because if they would have chosen another option, I think another option would have been renting a yeah. stadium, which is pointless if you have a whole training complex like Valdebebas because second team has shifted to another smaller ground mm-hmm. and the first team has shifted to the main stadium in Valdebebas. Okay. Where, where's the second team moved to? Um, like, for example, on Wednesday, they play on pitch number seven. Like, they're different pitches. So, <laughs> I think it depends on the availability. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they play in some pitch. Okay. As, as we are progressing already thinking about opening the stadium in 22 what are the other changes that you that you want to see and you expect to see in the next in the next I one I think not, all, not only me but every football fan like we all all love um midfield cross modric and casemiro but i think it would not be a bad idea to bring someone young and someone with a spirit and 
like long-term vision because at the end of the day, most of the players which Real Madrid still has are the same they had five or six years back when we started winning the back-to-back Champions League. So people are actually criticizing that. People are actually criticizing that Kroos, uh, Modric, Casemiro are, like, I think those are the main three. Like, I love the three of them and they're, like, cannot be compared and what they've done for the club no one has but yeah I think it's time to bring new people new faces younger people and just then like people here in Spain just go crazy they want they they just want to like positive results win 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 and I think Real Madrid has to go back to that strategy where it was just winning everything yeah, but I feel you already have a very amazing bunch of bunch of youth. Young talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Real Madrid, the academy, the second team, like many of them are now playing with the first team for champ with for Champions League matches and La Liga matches, maybe the last 30 minutes, last 20 minutes. These guys come on and it it like it shows on television like young talent fresh talent they're ready to do anything try new stuff so I think that will be really good for Real Madrid but apart from uh, the things on the pitch what are the other changes you want to see what about the board presidency elections I mean Barcelona are already shitting themselves with, uh, with so much on their plate and so many things to tackle about but do you think uh, Perez should I mean is he going to firstly? Is he going to run for another elections? And would you like to see him be the president for another term? Yeah, especially, especially in this phase. And why? Yeah, personally, yeah, because I think uh, since he's come, uh, the club has just grown. So that's the main reason. Like, like it's had is it's had his its ups and downs. But everyone has its ups and downs. Every club has its ups and downs. But um, seeing the bigger picture, uh, he's done pretty, pretty well and has been one of the best. So, yeah, why not? And plus, actually, he's a businessman. And I think in times of crisis and in times of this pandemic, we've never lived before. I think he's a person who might be able and is able to tackle it pretty well. So, All right. Yeah. So another term for Perez for you. Yeah. Sure, uh, plus one. Yeah. Right, that brings us to the end of uh, our storytelling. From Rishika's point of view about Real Madrid, for the moment, it's time to say goodbye. If you like the episode, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at sports.tales and we are going to see you very soon. Once again, thank you, Rishika. Thank you so much for tuning in. And yeah, stay healthy, stay awesome. And peace out. <laughs>